This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on part two of this podcast. If you haven't listened to part one, please stop now and go back and do so because I'm not going to reiterate anything. I want to just continue it. And so let's jump right back into where we were with Zacharias. We saw in scripture that you had to obey the voice of an angel or there was a consequence. We saw that Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, didn't. We saw that when he questioned the word of the angel, not asking a question that was general, that would make sense, but one that he rejected the possibility of the power of God. And this was a man who stood in the priesthood. And immediately when he did, the consequence was that the angel shut his mouth and he couldn't speak until the birth of John. I find it so interesting that when John was finally born, that the, the scripture literally says that they went to his mother and said, what's his name? He said, his name will be John. And then they said, no one in your family's named John. So they went to Zacharias, said, you can't name him John. No one in your family's named John. And so Zacharias took out a, pa- a tablet and wrote the name John. And the moment he did that, his tongue was loosed. And he began to be able to he actually spoke even prophetically at that moment. It wasn't sickness that shut his mouth. It was the presence of God. Because we have the fallacy in our belief systems that all God needs to do is do it. And he doesn't need me or the cooperation of his people. And that is absolutely unbiblical. We are the members of the body of Christ. God can no more do things in the earth without his body than you can do things in the earth without yours. It's why the scripture pointed to Jesus prophetically and said, sacrifices and offerings I don't have for you, but a body you have prepared me. You need a physical body to be able to be used of God in the earth. And then we find Zacharias responding to the angel one way. And we talk that we're going to now compare him to Mary's reaction. And this is, everyone knows, of course, in great detail of what happened to Mary when she, when the angel appeared to her and he basically interrupts this woman who's never been with a man and simply interrupts this young girl's day. And he says, greetings in our world. He go, Hey, how you doing? (laughs) You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the Bible said she was greatly troubled, which, you know, that would, that would happen to any of us. And then he says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found great favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, and he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked a very reasonable question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? That's a fair question. I'm going to have a baby? Fine. I'll do what God wants me to do, but I've never been with a man. The angel answered and said these words. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her, is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And listen to her response. I am the Lord's servant, she replied. Be it to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. I want you to notice the difference between Mary and Zacharias. Zacharias 
resisted the word of the angel. He disbelieved the word of the angel. And so that he would not stop God's movement in the earth through his disobedience, God shut his mouth. And I think there's times when it would do me good if, if God could just shut mine. But he typically doesn't do that. Might be beneficial to us if he did, but he doesn't. And so we have to shut it ourselves as an act of our will. But Mary did something amazing, didn't she? Absolutely amazing. Impossible to have a child without a man. Impossible. And her response was very simple. I am your servant, Lord. If you said it, then I receive it according to your word. That's how you lead people into the unseen. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like. If God said a virgin will conceive, Mary didn't say, I don't know a man. And God said, well, you won't need one. And she didn't say, well, that's not possible, which is what Zachariah said. And so there is a reward, if you will, to, to faith and angelic power. When you operate in obedience to what God says, it changes everything. Let me read a portion of what the Holy Spirit spoke again when I had that experience in prayer. And again, if you have not listened to part one, it's critical that you do because this won't make sense otherwise. And this is the second part of it, where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, as in the old covenant, God said, my angel will drive out the inhabitant of the land. And based on the faith of the unbelief of the people, not on my will, the angel's hands will either be tied or loosed. You must speak the words of life. He's talking to me as a pastor, teaching people, bringing our church to this place. You must all speak the words of life, agree with my words and walk by faith and not by sight. And it will release angelic host upon our nation. Even now, demonic hosts have raised up their heads to destroy this land. And those under the dominion, under their dominion, are all now speaking the same thing. But there is a wave of angel armies that will come and minister on the behalf of the heirs of salvation, those that will walk by faith and not by sight. I want to help you to see that that angel standing beside me, and again, let me be very clear, I do not want to add hyperbole to this. I didn't see the angel. I didn't hear the angel. I just knew that standing beside me, I knew that there was the, I was by the presence of an angel. I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. And in 28 years of pastoring, never had anything remotely happen like that. Had no expectation. Didn't ask for it to happen. But God wasn't giving me something for my own edification. He was showing me something that was happening in the body of Christ that I was responsible to lead, not just in the church I pastor, but with any particular influence God may have granted me with others in, in the kingdom of God that lead. So let me take you into an example in the Old Testament where, where God's word was connected to the activity of angels to actually bring God's people into their possession. Now, we know the book of Hebrews is written in many times pointing us back to the children of Israel's exodus out of Egyptian bondage and their possession of the promised land. And again and again, we are told that these things are written for our example. So there's a parallel from the old covenant and the new covenant. And the new covenant pointing back saying, watch what happened there. Because you need to understand, this applies to you today. 
So let's take them back. They're out of Egypt's bondage. They crossed the Red Sea. And now they're over into the desert. And they're not very far from the promised land. But what was just a just a very, very short walk, if you will, took them 40 years to get there. And let me make, this is so important doctrinally, if you're, if you're going to lead people in the unseen. It didn't take 40 years because God wanted it to take 40 years. It took 40 years because they didn't obey his voice. Now, let me, let's go behind the scenes and let's see what God was intending to do through them and how it parallels to your leadership and mine as we take people into the very place God's called us to lead them to. Remember, we're talking about leading in the unseen realm, which by itself seems impossible, but God's grace is upon you to do this very thing. In Exodus 23, God's speaking to Moses and he's giving him instructions about how they'll possess the promised land. And listen to part of what he said in Exodus 23 and verse 20. He said, now he's speaking to Moses privately, and he said, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. I want you to understand that. It's already prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you will listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, notice that statement. If you will listen carefully to do all of what he says and do all of what I say, it's the same thing. Then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. And my angel will go ahead of you and he will bring you into the land of the Amorites and the Hivites and the Perizzites. Canaanites, Canaanites, and the Hivites, Jebusites. And then he said this, and I will wipe them out. That's pretty clear. So Moses comes in the next chapter, chapter 24, and he brings the words of God to the people. And he says, listen, God said, when we get to the land, there's going to be people there. Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, all the ites, termites. But God said, if we'll obey him, that an unseen angel, listen now, an unseen angel will go before us. And, and wipe them out and push them out of our land. Now, that means they're not going to have an army. That means they're not going to be able to do it of their own strength. That means that the only, the only weapon in their hand will be spiritual. And in our lives, sometimes we think that's a last resort. Well, we're, I guess we've resorted to just prayer now. All we can do now is pray. Really? It is the only weapon that we have as believers that is like an atomic bomb. I don't know if you're like me. There've been times in my, in my walk with the Lord when, and I can just tell you recently in the last year or so, when in my mind, I was just, just turning over and over again, so much of the nonsense going on. I wasn't even saying it out loud. It's just on my way to uh, actually to church, to a prayer meeting. I was just torturing my mind and, and getting angry of all this, this stupid stuff I'm seeing. And the Holy Spirit, thankfully I was going to a prayer meeting, maybe, maybe help me uh, be a little bit more sensitive to hear. He said, who do you think you are? It was so real in my heart. What kind of pride do you have to think that your, your thoughts, your human strength, the strength of your hand is going to do anything to change this? 
There is no power in your hand. It's in mine. Humble yourself before me. Worship me. Follow me. I'll do the work. You do the obedience. Isn't it easy to get caught up in, in, in defining the giants instead of obeying the master? Now listen to what they said in Exodus 24 when Moses rehearses what God promises. It says in verse 3, Then Moses went and told the people all the words that God said in his laws. Then they responded, now listen to this sentence, with one voice. I want you to hear that. That's my job and your job. To get God's people to respond with one voice and then act upon it. And here's what they said. All the words that God hath said, we will do them. So they openly said that when we get there, we're going to do everything God says to do. And they're serious about it. I, it wasn't, I don't believe they were lying. They just weren't prepared to walk by faith and not by sight. They weren't prepared for giants. And, and so here we see this prophetic word that God gives them. We see them responding to it, saying we're going to do it. And now the rubber, if you will, hits the road, and now they get their chance. In Numbers 13, God now, they're on the very edge of obtaining the promised land. And I want you to notice what God tells them in Numbers 13. This is so important. The scripture actually tells us this, that God said, God said to send spies into the land. So they took one of every ruler of the people, one, the leader of every tribe of the 12 tribes and sent them in to spy out the land. Why would God ask them to go see something? What did that have to do with anything? Why didn't God just give them instruction on how to conquer? Because people have a choice. Leaders have a choice. Leaders are either going to take people into life and freedom that exists only by the hand of God, or we are going to keep leading them and affirming them to keep living in the darkness and the filth of this land and all the nonsense that we're trying to figure out in our brains. And they don't need leadership with that. They don't need help with that. Neither do I. But I find it very interesting that when, when these 12 spies came back, the account that they gave is very important. And then I'm going to spend our remaining time, our six, seven minutes, just saying, how does this apply to us today? And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it really does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit of it. But, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And now listen to the list of people they name. We even saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, the, uh, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the Ites, the Canaanites. Then basically, look, look, there's all these people there. Remember what God said he would do? And all the words the Lord had said, we will obey. It all of a sudden went away when they were facing the giants. Verse 30, it said, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up and possess the land at once, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. There we saw the descendants of Anak. I mean, they were giants. 
and we seem like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we look the same to them. It's amazing how when you walk in fear and deception, you will project on your enemy what he doesn't even think about you. We know from Scripture that these people were terrified of the, of the, of the Israelites because of God's deliverance. But I want you to see as a leader, and this is what I get, want to get you to, we are called to unfold the arms of that angel. God is wanting to do something in the earth that will shake the world. I find Christians wanting simply to almost get a truce with evil. Forget that nonsense. You aren't called to make a truce with evil. You are called to overcome evil with good. Every person in this world that's bound and, and twisted in, 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 under, under, this, under Satan's tyranny, they're lost and undone without Christ. They aren't my enemy. They're my mission field. And I want to help you to understand that in the old covenant, the physical enemy had to be physically defeated. In the new covenant, when we defeat our enemy, we rescue them. You are called to bring the gospel to the far-flung corners of the world and not just hold down the fort till you die. And today, Christians are more inclined to discuss the size and shape of the giant than to obey God and trust him. And we know the story, of course, that Joshua and Caleb, they, they, all, they actually tried to kill them for their stand of faith. The other 10 gathered the entire congregation of people against them. And not one of them made the promised land, but Joshua and Caleb, not one of them, and Joshua and Caleb's family. Over 2 million people died unnecessarily. Over 2 million people did not inherit the promise of God. That was God's will for, they, for them to have. We can sit back and lament the darkness. We can sit back and lament decisions being made by politicians. Decisions being made that reduce freedoms. And none of those things are unimportant. None of those things should be ignored at some level in my life or yours perhaps. But they better not be first. And I can tell you this, that my only help to anybody is to take people to a place of obedience, to do the mission of Christ, and to come together with one voice, that we would make one voice around one thing and speak the same thing and not be moved, that we are going to reach this world. So how in the world are we going to do that? The same way they possess the promised land. You know what I find it interesting? When Moses is now dead, Joshua approaches the city of Jericho, and God gives them the instructions to walk around the city. I find it very interesting that one of the primary instructions was this. None of you say a word. He shut the mouths of the people that followed him so they couldn't undo God's purpose and stop the hands of an angel or the angels. In fact, the Bible just said, God said, I'll send my angel, just one, just one. And the city of Jericho, when they acted and did what God said, which sounded pretty stupid, was flattened in a moment. And they, and they totally overcame that city. And they didn't even have an army present. See, today, my job and your job is to lead into the unseen, to, to take our people away from trying to define the giants and, 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 and this giant's this and this giant and Facebook posts this giant and Instagram posts this giant. But to say that when we obey God, there will be an army. When we do what he says to do 
and we walk by faith and not by sight. And we bring the gospel that God enables us to every corner of our relationships, every corner of our world, every corner of our influence. That when we do that, literally he will release an angel army. And today I believe those armies are largely with their arms folded because there is a just recompense reward and they will not violate our will. So I encourage you to begin to speak the, the life of God over your nation, over your family, over your church, no matter what it looks like. Begin to speak out loud. There will be a great awakening in this nation and in this world. People are going to be coming to Christ by the, by the untold millions. So oh, I sure don't believe that. Well, neither did Zacharias. And it didn't get him very far. I want to encourage you to be a leader of faith, not a definer of giants, because you were called to lead into the unseen. God's hands on you to do it. The people of this world are desperate for Joshua and Caleb's who will say we are well able to take the land. And those angels, just like demonic influence, can make people do the most incredibly asinine things, things that are so crazy you can't even define them, and do it as one. They can also influence people. They won't preach the gospel, but they can make ways and inroads into, into generations of people, into cultures of people, into, into groups of people that have been defined by their sin, that they said there's no way God can get in there. Angel armies can break down those walls. And the gospel, if God's people are acting on the word of God, can go behind those prison walls and rescue generations. And we can see a great awakening in this nation. So I encourage you, please walk by faith and not by sight. Please, please take the substance of God and the currency of faith and bring it into this world through your leadership and let's together do the will of God and let's see the power of God rescue our land and see people that are hellbound, heavenbound. I'm praying for you. I'm so grateful to stand alongside you in the kingdom and my confidence is in him and him alone. So I just pray for every one of you that you'll let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Let him help shape your heart and what you think and how you speak. Please don't speak words against what God is saying. Please don't talk about how big the giants are. Don't ignore them. Don't pretend they're not there. But let's just say it. They're bred for us. Their defense has departed from them. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. If God be for me, who can be against me? God will raise up people to go into these places. Angel armies will break down prison walls and break barriers down to get the gospel to the far-flung corners of the earth. And we will see a great awakening. So my prayer for you is that you stand boldly in your calling. You stand boldly and like Paul, magnify it and rejoice that God has counted you privileged in this hour to be used of heaven. Love you all so much. Look forward to catching up with you next month. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.